0: Working on my other podcasts because you know I haven't started one of them, and then the other one I haven't uploaded a episode on in almost a year. So 2024 goal: get both of those going consistently.
1: Yeah, there you go. We're gonna have a whole like network pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we will.
1: Anyway, hey everybody, it's it's your your boy Jared and. Also me, Sybil. Yeah, and uh, it's an off week. Uh, We decided to take a break for the holidays and uh, just kind of collect ourselves before season two begins here uh, in the month of January. So I promise it's coming. Yeah, I promise it's coming later this month. We are going to be starting season two. Mm -hmm. But in the interim, we thought we would just do a little bonus auxiliary episode. Uh, If you don't feel like listening to this, then you can just skip it. This is not required listening. (laughs) I mean, is any of the episodes required listening? Yes. Yes, they are. (laughs) You have to. No, but they mostly carry along the same theme of us talking about video games that we've played and trying to describe them for people so that they can see them in their mind's eye and then maybe go play them themselves. Pretty much everything we've talked about has been along those lines. Yeah. Give a little taste of a game yeah we've been mostly focusing on games because that's what inspired <laughs> us to start this but there's other media out there and this one is the one where we decided we we're gonna talk a little bit about one piece i mean it's it, it, it had to happen eventually exactly i mean we've had uh, bo- two of our guests have already have both brought it up and so, well, they didn't bring it up. <laughs> Chad! Chad did bring it Chad up. Chad brought it up, but only because he saw my posters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. pretty sure I brought it up with Adle. Yeah, but you brought it up because they watched it. It's true, it's true. So Adel did watch it for his It's kind of his, his fault. So it is his fault. So yeah, we need to talk about One Piece and what makes it so good and why you should be giving it a try despite any of your inhibitions because... Ninety percent of the people who have been told you should try One Piece have either not just to me, but just in general. I've heard from other people to be like, Yeah, I told this person to watch, and they were like, Oh, it's too long, or oh, I'm not really into anime. And so this is our chance to talk about why those are those are stupid reasons. Those are dumb reasons to keep you from enjoying something great. Also, if you don't like anime, well, I mean, well, there's there's the, live action now. There is the live action now. It's true, but I mean, even so, like to begin, we have, I've got a couple of bullet points. My first bullet point, really, about what makes One Piece so great, is the fact that One Piece is not a traditional shonen anime. Uh, in the sh- and you know, people are like, "Well, what do you mean?" But because it's all about fighting and powers and stuff, and that's what a shonen anime is. To yeah. which I would say you're dumb <laughs> yes those are things that a shonen anime is comprised of but the one piece is more than those things and usually kind of bends the rules on those first constraints anyway because i mean yeah. first of all the powers like we're like if we're talking about a shonen anime the quintessential would probably have to be dragon ball z where yes. and let's be honest the powers and scaling in that is really straightforward as far as like you know fighter a is stronger than fighter b so like they need to you know train or get stronger so that they can take them out and keep them from being a threat and like that's pretty much every single arc yeah. is like the whole focus is like oh there's this big person in power and if we don't get strong enough to stop them then they will destroy everything or they'll try to rule the world or whatever or in frieza's case like the whole freaking galaxy the universe universe. frieza wanted to be immortal so he could rule everything and you know he almost did it i think that's one thing with dragon ball is like yeah a lot of shonen is
0: like there's one power everybody has the same power And it's all based on what level you're at in that power.
1: Exactly. And that's why, yeah. And so scaling works when everybody is playing on the same battlefield, when they're all in the same form of power, the -hmm. the same like concepts, like it makes it so that you can scale that stuff. I hate when people try to scale characters in one piece because the powers in one piece are just not as one-dimensional as that yeah i mean for i mean first of all you've got the devil fruits and each one is completely unique with its own u- ability that you have no idea how one will interact with another which is you know part of the charm of it it's really great like everybody has a fruit power not everybody but the people that do like they find ways to make it work for them yeah yeah and, and if you took that same exact power and you put it in someone else's hands, they would use it completely differently.
0: Yeah. You
1: even get to see it a couple of times in one piece. It's true. I
0: get something that somebody else had.
1: It's true. Although there is the caveat that only one person in the world can have a double fruit power at a time. There are moments where we see in a flashback or something like a previous user of the same fruit. And like they will. They'll use it completely differently. It goes more with like their personality. Like they use the power as like an auxiliary of who they are an extension of their own persona almost it's Mm -hmm. amazing to see it time and time again and i feel like oda even uses fruits as a way to design people's personality it's like well what kind of character would have this fruit like what kind of person like what would their temperament be if they had this and it's amazing because it's part of what makes his character so well rounded is each one is so completely unique and individual whereas like I mean, if you show people a group of fighters from Dragon Ball Z, they'll look at them and be like, which one is Goku? And they might point at Gohan or Yamcha first because, let's face it, a lot of these people, they look the same and they're wearing the same clothes. Yeah. Like and again i'm not bashing dragon ball z love dragon ball z it has its own place in entertainment i'm just saying that people that compare one piece to dragon ball z or my hero academia are just doing themselves a disservice
0: my hero academia is more better comparison but even there it's like i think one piece has more variety in the powers than my hero
1: well, I don't know. I mean, like I've heard I mean, I've heard our friend Devin at work talking about My Hero before and the different powers, and I will admit a lot of them are very unique, and I've even thought about like what it would be like if it was a devil fruit. Yeah. You know, cuz a lot of them basically seem like they could be. They could.
0: There are similar ones where it's like that is a devil fruit. Yeah, yeah. but at
1: but at the end of the day, like the thing about most shown in like Dragon Ball Z or Naruto or My Hero Academia, is that it feels like, and people like will bring up this joke all the time. This is my second bullet point the power of friendship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, everybody, like the power of friendship is what gets them through. And that's why, they, like, they have to keep fighting and, like, they have to, what, like, they gotta win. And it's like, and that's nice. And it's a great, it's a great message. It's just not the full message with One Piece because it's not about the power of friendship, it's about this group of people. Who have rejected biological or societal norms of what family is, and have chosen to create for themselves their own family? It's about found family, mm-hmm. and it, and they fight much differently than just like oh, I've got to protect my friends. It's so much more on the line when it's like this is my crew, and we're ride or die for each other. Yes, and we see that over and over again with these really great moments like uh, that. Just ins- that always inspire things like when um... oh gosh. You give an example. Me give an <laughs> example. Um, no, no, you don't have to. But. I mean my first thought
0: is always just gonna be Arlong Park with Luffy going crazy just for Lu- Nami.
1: Yeah, it's true. Like that. And I was watching a video essay by Melon T recently. Again, shout out to Melon T. Also Grand Line Review. I don't know if I mentioned Liam with Grand Line Review, but Melon T and Grand Line Review are two of the greatest. I've been watching Grand Line Review, but I've also come across somebody Ohara. Ohara is wonderful as well. They're pretty good. Yeah. We'll do plugs for all of our One Piece like creators at the end of this. <laughs> yes. But uh, it was some melon was mentioning recently with Nami was that like what makes that moment so impactful is that the whole time for basically for 10 years, she had been like, no, I can do this myself. I just have to like, I can find a way I can work a way around. I can figure this out. I can find a way to do this. And at that moment, what makes it so great is that she just breaks down and admits to herself, like, I cannot do this this and that and like she has to ask luffy for help and for someone who's never trusted anybody their whole life they've only looked out for themselves like that's what that moment is about is about like she's finally trusting someone and putting her fate in someone else's hands which is something she's never done before because like since her mom died there's just not been anybody that she could trust that way yeah she had to just bear all of these burns on her own shoulders And she's finally like, I'll let somebody else pick it up for me. And what is Luffy's response when she finally, after like telling him to leave and like throwing dirt at him and saying, get out of here. You don't know what's going on. Like, and then she finally just says, okay, help me. And he says, of course I will. Yeah. That's his response because there's no, there's nothing to think about. Like, he's like, of course, I've just been waiting for you to ask for it. Which is also just like a sign, like how quick Luffy is, like when he picks
0: somebody what he'll do for them because like he barely even knew nami he knew her for like what like a couple of
1: days well i mean a few days that's at what that it, point eh, yeah Maybe but i be. mean and that's something that's important to remember is like luffy is a people person mm-hmm. like he's got zero iq but off the charts eq like he isn't smart enough to put into words like if he sees somebody is hurting like he can't like establish what that reason is like, but he can watch it and understand what they're feeling and know that they need something to fix it, and he kind of just waits until they give him the go ahead to fix it mm-hmm. for them because he's he's there and he's willing and he's ready. He just he needs to know, like, okay, who do I punch? <laughs> who do I punch? And it's and it's you know that's one of the things that's cathartic about it because it really it's like no problem should be easy enough to be fixed with like, okay, who do I punch? But like, that's what makes it so wonderful. Like, (laughs) because like, and because all of the, problems that these people are having in this world it's not that simple it's not it's not there's always like some sort of weird socio-political like these people are in power they're protected by the government or the law or they're some sort of royalty there's always some sort of socio-economic barrier that's keeping people down and keeping them from being able to protect themselves and luffy just spits in the face of that and punches them anyway yeah
0: it's like a smarter person would be like what's
1: a political
0: like conversational way of like fixing this Mm -hmm. and we even see
1: that in alabasta like vivi is so convinced that if she could just get to the like sit down and talk with the leaders of the rebel army and explain to them that they had been manipulated then she could stop the civil war be like listen it's not the king that you're trying to fight it's this other person who's framing him like and she's like if we can just sit down and talk with them we can fix this and at every turn crocodile has a contingency plan set in place that just keeps them from being able to have a diplomatic solution Mm -hmm. and it's so disheartening to her because she's like i know if we could just sit down we could talk about this i could fix this and luffy is like listen where is crocodile i'm gonna beat him up (laughs) And she, she doesn't want to let him do it at first because she's like, that's suicide. That's crazy. And I can't fix this. Like, there's no way you can just fix this by beating that guy up. And it freaking works. <laughs> he does it and it fixes everything. Mm-hmm. And I, it's like I was saying during the conflict in Ukraine, it was like, I wish that somebody could just like walk up into like imagine. Like imagine. Imagine for a second. Suspend disbelief. Imagine somebody, some random kid. 17 years old, like bright eyed and bushy tailed, walks up into Moscow and punches Putin in the face on TV in the middle of one of his like rallies where he's talking about how they're going to win the war he could not recover from that like <laughs> that would be everyone uh, in russia would be like oh man oh, this like guy sucks. this guy sucks huh like <laughs> there would be no way to come back from that
0: really uh, it would mess up any reputation exactly
1: <laughs> it would just re- and like that's what it does with crocodile crocodile was seen as a hero in this country and then everybody like fighting in the civil war sees him get like thrown up into the sky and he falls down to the ground unconscious and the people that are have no idea what's going on or like wait what the heck why is the hero of this country like unconscious in the middle of the city square and all the people that are working for him are like oh shit why is our leader unconscious in the middle of the city square (laughs) and it actually got both sides to stop fighting because they were all just so shocked at what was taking place and confused and then that let vivi finally talk to them and get them all to calm down and it was like all along Luffy was right. Like all we had to do was punch this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish that the real world worked as simply be... as that. It would be so much more there. That's why it would that's be nice. And that's what makes the show so cathartic, is like you get to see issues being resolved, uh, deep-seated emotional, like scarring being fixed by this kid with a smile just waltzing up and making everything better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the real world needs some of that. You need an escape. Exactly. You need but to, it's more than that. I don't not I just, don't ju- like that's a thing. Like, like, I don't know. I don't I hate the idea like people, oh, like, you know, you use fantasy as an escape. And I really yes. fantasy isn't supposed to be an escape. It's supposed to be an ideal version of reality. It's supposed to be like, well, why can't we take what we're seeing here and make our world more like this
0: it's like one piece shows a lot of conflicts that you could relate to real world exactly it's like wars and that's
1: what and that's the other thing that's my next point is that one piece is different from shonen anime and manga because it's a fantasy Mm -hmm. like it's supposed to be this romantic (laughs) idealized version of a different world where you want to take parts of it and bring them into this world like people don't watch lord of the rings because they're like oh wow i would want to see an orc in real life they watch (laughs) lord of the rings because they're like man i wish i could be as brave as samwise Gamgee, like who just feels like this little guy this little nothing and he's like following his friend to the foot of mount doom like the scariest place in their world and everybody's like inspired by that because like man like how amazing to think of like this this little guy who's like a gardener And he's, like, smaller than a regular human, like, and he's, like, the. and he stands so tall by the end of the series. And people love that. And that's what One Piece is, is, like, the idea of, like, you take these average, regular people and you turn them into these...
0: Role models. Role models. Yes. You see them
1: as, like, it's, like, why can't people be more like this? Mm -hmm. And when you see the whole crew standing together, it's just exponentially, it's even more so. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah 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 so that's a little bit about why the show is so great and so different let's talk about the author
0: i was gonna say another thing that makes it great is just oda
1: just oda the
0: way he does it like
1: echiro oda he he, first first yeah i mean because like first of all like He's constantly interacting with the audience. Mm -hmm. How many creators do that? I mean, like, nowadays with, like, Twitter or, I'm sorry, X or whatever, (laughs) like, you see it a lot more, but he's been doing it since the late 90s. Yeah. Because with Shonen Jump, the magazine that the manga is published in, like, week by week, uh, chapter by chapter... um, people who are fans are reading it and then they're writing in their questions to Oda and then he'll answer them and the answers will be published in the back of a volume and sometimes people will jokingly ask something and he'll put it into the story as canon Mm -hmm. and it's crazy to me that like
0: that feels like something (laughs) that people do now with like patreon where it's like if you join a patreon you can like maybe come up with the character's name and he's just like sure and he's free
1: yeah he was he's been doing it for free for 25 (laughs) years before
0: patreon was ever thought of exactly
1: like it's it's great like somebody jokingly like the admirals people know about like bad guys are the the marines and the world government and uh three of the most powerful figures in this power structure are the admirals and they have these code names that are a color and an animal so uh kuzan is admiral aokiji the blue pheasant Mm -hmm. Uh, sakazuki is admiral akainu the red dog and uh, borsalino is admiral kizaru the yellow monkey like you know it's very simple yeah Uh, and somebody jokingly asked Like, well, what about whatever happened to uh, Chitone and Momonagi, which is Brown Pig and Pink Rabbit? And he was like, "Oh, well, they didn't get considered for the admiral position. They're still vice admirals." And he was just jokingly said, like, through that was a throwaway line. And then a few years later, they put them in the anime. (laughs) They made them into real characters and put them in there. And I was like floored. I was like, "That is." That was a joke. He was joking. And now they're in my show. Yeah. <laughs>
0: just freaking. Yeah. He just puts whatever he wants in there. He does what he, he does. wants.
1: And that's the thing is that Oda is more like a DM than he is an author. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, it's coming out weekly. So he doesn't have to write a whole book at a time and have it, like, perfectly edited and set in stone. He like at like as it's coming like he's rolling with the punches like there's things that he's had planned for years and then there's things that he just comes up with like off on the, off, on the do- like off the dome on the fly or like uh, like the base biggest example is yes. uh, um the supernovas yeah. it, it was such a huge moment at the Sabadi Archipelago arc for fans whenever Oda reminds everyone. Hey, remember at the beginning of the Grand Line, uh, like what, 10 years ago, whenever Crocus was explaining, like, once you're set on a path in the Grand Line, then you're kind of just stuck on that path because of the way log poses work and how they attract to the nearest island to direct you island to island. So this island hopping method keeps everyone pretty much set on one path the whole time. But mm-hmm. there's multiple different island chains that lead f- along the Grand Line, and By the time we get to Sabadi, we completely forgot, like, hey, all of those island chains, they're reconverging here at this one spot. Which means there are other pirate crews that have been having their own Luffy, like, straw hat adventures adventures that we just haven't been hearing about. And then suddenly they're all thrown at you at once. You meet these, uh, like, nine titanic, like, amazing captains that are each just as crazy and like daring as luffy is but you we haven't heard anything about them up until this point and it's just like they're just thrown at you and to find out like oda didn't know what to do to make that arc more exciting and his editor reminded him of that he's like hey well there's other chains of islands, right like what if other Pirates like met there and they were just like Luffy and that he was like, Oh my god, like that's (laughs) and that's the other thing about Oda is he's not too proud to take outside help Mm -hmm, from people that have good ideas. And so, like, then you're introduced to Eustace Kid, Trafalgar Law, Bonnie. Yeah, Jewelry Bonnie. Jewelry Bonnie, who's very uh prevalent and relevant in the manga right now. It's like the crazy thing, all those characters
0: off the he just came the up with them Wasn't because it like, his
1: editor was like come up with some other captains and he's he like, like okay say
0: he took like 10 20 minutes to come up with all of them and yeah like so it's like a minute, how two do minutes you do each. that and how then, do you do that and then like law became like a huge person who was in oh my gosh hundreds of chapters trafalgar law
1: is like most people's favorite character and then Bonnie myself is like,
0: not unincluded yeah. in that like <laughs> like Bonnie's like huge right now. So it's like these people. He gave, named like, one. Of my, a I named
1: my kitty cat after Bonnie. Yeah, so Bonnie. I mean, like these are people that these are characters he just made up off the cuff, and they are so important to the story. And mm-hmm. also he like has found ways to weave them through to make them relevant and important again. If he hadn't uh, done even that, after the fact, like, if he had, yeah, if he had, Dress Rosa and Dress Rosa, Punk Hazard, Punk like, Hazard, all that would have been. Not to mention whole cake, whole because cake. Capone Gang Beggie was one of the supernovas, and he was one of he Big Mom's son in laws. Like, <laughs> so it's like all of this. Gosh, like, like it would have been <laughs>
0: completely different.
1: Everything would have been so different without the editor's suggestion of like, well, what about like other like Captain? Ilya? It's oh man, that like the yeah the supernovas is a great example of improv. Like, and in, the warlords. Oh my gosh, and the warlords.
0: That's a big one.
1: I don't know that he really had that in mind at first
0: until he got to like crocodile and then well he
1: mentioned them he before mentions that with them the mihawk, before that right? with, well yeah mihawk shows up and then he's like well what if there were seven of these guys and then right yeah. after that he uh basically teases us by talking about Jimbei
0: that's right
1: yes and which is another crazy thing Jimbei was introduced by name around chapter like 91 like 100 or something and then we finally meet Jimbei and like chapter like 450 or 500 (laughs) it was uh, it was 12 years later in the publication it's so wild
0: to be like it's so weird to put like the number of the chapter chapters be like yeah it took like this many chapters like that's a lot of chapters and then you say the years and it's like oh yeah that was like 15 years yeah what the hell then like,
1: oh man. <laughs> oh, that actually really puts it in perspective so yeah there's all these yeah so suck it George R.R. R. Martin I'm <laughs> like oh I'm I just didn't feel like Devin at work the other day was like said that he saw some interview or something where George R.R. R. R. Martin said he didn't write a single word this last year <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Which is just.
0: He was like. (laughs) I feel like George R.R. Martin, he must have, like, did all his writing for, like, Elden Ring. And then after that, he was just like, well, I'm going to take, like, a two year break. I'm going to take a nap.
1: (laughs) I'm going to just wait. I don't know. But also, like, I feel bad for the guy because it feels like he's kind of set himself up this way where, like, now he doesn't know what to do. He's almost, like, at a standstill. He's painted himself into a corner because. People are expecting this to be so grand yeah. and so amazing, and he's like, ah, uh, what do I do? Uh, and then, I, I mean,
0: I saw people say, like, the end of Game of Thrones was, like, him testing, like, the show was, like, him testing how to, like, do it. Yeah. And then, like, that did not go well. And now it's like, I've heard people be like, he's just waiting to die. If he just dies,
1: he doesn't have to worry about if finishing he does, it. If he doesn't have
0: to do it. He doesn't have to, like, deal with any consequences of it going bad. It's
1: true and like yeah and then on the far opposite end of that you have oda who has a contingencies planned out if he dies he has somebody who knows what the ending of the story should be so that they can pick up the torch and finish it for him because he want he wants the story to reach its ending mm-hmm. even if it's without him because at this point i feel like he knows this work has become greater than him and yeah. Even when he first was, like, right, I think he knew that years ago, because there was this interview, I love this, and this is my third bullet point, is who Oda is writing this story for? Because obviously, I mean, like, you know, I like to think he's writing it for me. Yeah. And in a way, he totally is writing it for me, or people like me who have been reading it or watching it from the start, but... The people Oda really writes it for is bright-eyed children, like the idealistic children. He wants them to have this. And he put it in, there was like an interview or something, I think. It was all the way back in like 2001.
0: Like this has been a while. This is
1: over two decades old. But I know that in his heart, this is still how he feels. But basically, someone asked him like, man, like you've been going at this for a while. You finished Alabasta. Now we're entering uh, Skypiea. Uh, what keeps you going? And he's like well, the way he answered. I love this. He was like, uh, whenever is like every every weekend, like every Friday night, me and my colleagues go down to this bar to like get a few drinks and kind of just celebrate like a good week. And whereas you know most like sports bars here in America will play like football or something in the like if you go to Applebee's, like you know yeah, what I they mean? They have like like they've got baseball, whatever sports. They've got going stuff on. going on, like sports going on like in the background Oda said that he and his uh, work friends, his colleagues go to this bar to get some drinks and some food and just kind of relax at the end of a hard week and in the corner he always sees that there's a group of kids that are watching One Piece they're at the bar, like at the restaurant on one of the restaurant TVs and they're all like excitedly like shouting along and like cheering with it and like singing to the opening theme and he's like that's who I'm making this for because that fills my heart with joy i'm like mm. gosh but even deeper than that i would have to say after hearing like what Melanty said about skypea and uh, long ring long island which are two arcs that i guess in the fandom aren't very popular and in fact a lot of people skip them and That's... go straight from Alabasta to water seven
0: from everything i hear i can understand long ring long island i'm gonna I'm watching through, and when I get there, I mean, I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to read it, because, like, why would I skip it? Yeah. But, like, Skypea, I do—everything I see about it, I do not understand why I hear people skip it. They
1: thought that it wasn't relevant to the rest of the story because it wasn't happening— on the blue sea and the, is, the government wasn't there to witness what luffy did so his bounty didn't go up therefore it doesn't matter yeah
0: but it's still cool and <laughs> it's, of course it's gonna matter not only is point. it
1: cool it's like so integral to so many important moments in the story like nolan comes back up in the story in dress rosa um yes he does like bellamy is oh my god like uh
0: bellamy comes back in Skypia.
1: <laughs> Skypia is where we first are introduced to Doflamingo and Bartholomew Kuma, as well as Blackbeard, <laughs> yes, the Blackbeard, series antagonist, yeah. the big, so one of the big bad guys. So, okay, really quick, just a side note: if you are, if you skip Skypea, don't, <laughs> don't go back. Go back, you, you villain. You need to and coward. Isn't,
0: isn't it Skypea that also like? nika was introduced
1: yes but we didn't know that yeah you That's didn't the know thing. that. we but... didn't know that but like now his feel. silhouette was there yeah. and and it was important we know that now and it's why wiper reacted the way he did when he saw
0: mm. luffy
1: silhouetted that way was because yeah. he was like oh my gosh whoa, whoa, whoa. he was like i think that wiper in his mind knew something was up with this kid because even if he didn't believe that he really could be nika he knows that in his own heart he is because luffy freed him from like the thing that was keeping him Tethered, yeah. the, he freed him from the thing that was keeping him bogged down.
0: He's he may have not been like oh he's Nika, but it's like he still like had like Viper, Nika qualities.
1: Wiper. Yeah. Like, even then. his whole life was about ringing that bell. Not just for the act of doing so, but because that's what his ancestor had promised to do, and it's what his whole tribe was wanting of him. And the thing about Wiper that sucks is that he's basically born with an objective that he never wanted or asked for and it's to be the savior of his people and it's one of the reasons why you see him being so reckless when he's trying to fight against the sky priest is because he really didn't care about what happened to him like his own well-being because his life was mostly suffering and having this mission of taking back his homeland like thrust upon him a homeland he had never been allowed to set foot in so it's like he didn't really even have an emotional tie to it and yet, like, this is what his life is. And so for Luffy to free him from that, I think that even if he didn't know Luffy was Nika, like, in that moment, like, he just, he knew that he was Nika for him. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. All of that is going to get cut. <laughs> yeah, that's all, that was, like,
0: a <laughs> that's lot. That's all
1: spoiler of stuff.
0: A very specific about one arc.
1: And- yeah, but that's fine. This isn't just a conversation. Yeah. But, uh, like, it, what, what Mel and T was saying about those arcs, is like if you're skipping from Alabasta straight to Water 7 because you want to see like Robin's emotional climax, you're doing yourself a disservice because Skypiea and Long Ring Longland are about Robin having fun. Yeah. For the first time in her life. She's getting to relax, she's getting to have fun with friends, and she's getting to show her true colors without worrying about being rejected. These are things, these are luxuries she's never had before. And skipping those arcs to get to like her big emotional climax is doing yourself a disservice because you don't even know what the emotional climax is for. You didn't get to see her getting to grow and change and kind of unwind a little bit and realize that life could be something different her Mm -hmm. whole life was spent on the run uh fearing for her life just completely miserable from the time she was eight years old and this is the first time in her life where you get to see her smile and so long ring long land and Skype are super important it makes you wonder like it makes you realize that oda is writing this story for these characters
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and If you want another example, we could look at the Jump Festa message because every year there's this big event called Jump Festa, which is where the creators of all the like Shonen Jump uh, series, like these different mangas that are getting published in the uh, magazine week to week, like all of these different creators basically come together for this big like convention and, um, you know, they get to see their fans and they get to like tell them kind of what to expect over the next year and like kind of thank them for You know, following along with their individual series. And Oda, as he's, you know, as he tends to do, always uses his Jump Festa message to kind of tease and hide, like, what's going to be happening over the course of the next year. Because just like he does with the cover stories, like, he sees this as. A moment that he was like, hey, this is free real estate. Like, I can use this for the story. And that's something that's just also great is that everything is like – he's like, hey, how can I use this for the story? All of this free space. Like, anywhere he finds it. Like, anytime he's like, I can interact with the fans and tell them about this, he always finds a way to bring the story back into it. But uh, with his Jump Festa message – He basically teased that they were going to Elbaf, and he's like, oh, here it comes. Like, the crew is getting ready. That island, oh boy, this is going to be great. And then he says something, and I don't, it's like, this could just be Flourish. It could just be, you know, him, Oda being Oda. But he says, like, he's like, I do have a version of the story, like, the events of the story written with them skipping it. But I don't think that even I could stop Luffy from going to Elbaf. And it's like, it's just, if you stop and think about that, it's interesting. It's like he had, like, he has these backup plans for, like, what if the crew ends up going this way instead of this way? And it reminds me of Anthony Birch from Dungeons and Daddies yeah. or Griffin McElroy from The Adventure Zone. Okay. It's just, Oda isn't just writing a story where the characters have to do everything he wants and they're not, like, checking off a list of these beats that he needs to hit. They are having an adventure and he is just the guide telling us about their adventure and sometimes their adventure will go a direction that he didn't plan for or that he wasn't expecting and he rolls with it and it's such a like an outside like third party approach to writing where he's not controlling every single thing the characters are doing but instead asking himself what would this character do in this situation because the big thing about Luffy is that he's gonna do what he wants to do, mm-hmm. and when you have a protagonist like that, it's so important to really take that approach seriously and consider like, what if he throws a curveball at me and he wants to just you know go skip this way or go this way or go this way or like you know because Luffy is such a fickle protagonist, like he could just decide like his adventure goes a different way, and like I don't know that Oda had the the time skip planned. That,
0: True. Like
1: I don't know how much stuff was like Oda's like, oh man, like uh oh, I wonder if we need to like, you level, know, level
0: everybody up a level, little bit, like because because
1: basically, I mean, after Water Seven, the log was set to Fishman Island, and he's mm-hmm. and it's like, all right, next stop is Fishman Island, and we. we go to like a half a dozen different locations between water seven and fishman Island. So, I mean like that just feels like an example of like Oda being like, this is the next stop, the next destination on the map. But like what happens if we meander around like this way or something we're sightseeing, like we don't have this, this is about the journey and not the destination. That's how Luffy treats it. And that's how Oda treats it. And it's I mean I don't know I wonder if George R R Martin for example thinks about like his characters with a will of their own like what do, what would this person do in this situation I I mean he's a great writer from everything I hear so yeah. I wouldn't be too surprised if he does It's just yeah I wonder if he's done it recently cuz if he like if he just kind of stopped and did that I feel like he could probably get the books going again Yeah I wonder if he's putting too much pressure on himself of, like, what do I want this story to be or what do the the fans fans want? And that's another thing is that, like, the story is for the fans, but it can't cater to every single thing they want. Yeah. I don't think any of us would have, like, any of the One Piece fans would have said, we want to see Egghead next. Like, if (laughs) given the choice. I think everybody thought we were going to Elbath after Wano, but that's just not how it works. Instead... What it's Oda did great. was Oda, head, but... Oda had three islands set for after Wano and he had three protagonists that were going to pick different directions. And maybe he knew that he was going to send Kid to Elbath first and maybe he didn't. But either way, it was just such a great little like the curtain out from under the reader to be like, oh man, we didn't, uh, we're we not going to Elbath. We also, picked the wrong one.
0: Yeah, adding in the fact that I was like, it was Luffy and. Kid, were fighting for that direction, weren't they? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, if it had gone differently, Luffy would have gotten that. Yeah. And we would be at Elbeth.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, also, it's like... But then we wouldn't have Egghead. Yeah, and like, look at what Egghead is. Egghead has been. is it's like, like freaking oh awesome. <laughs> oh my god! And like, that's the other thing is that like the fan, like if you listen to the fans, they will tell you what they think they want to see, but then they won't even realize that they're missing out on something better. Mm-hmm. You know. And also, I mean, we're still gonna get Elba. Yeah, he's still gonna so, get I mean, there. It's just that we got egghead and the kuma flashback and jewelry bonnie and
0: uh, the uh, first like saint oh,
1: saint, saturn. saint saturn oh my gosh all of the stuff that's been happening this past year has just with an admiral. blown my whole brain yeah kizaru i'm so excited to see like what this next year holds for him because of the way this last chapter kind of showed him i'm like uh like big question mark. I'm like, mm, oh man, like this not, could, he could be, oh, uh, uh, it could be it good happened. or bad. Basically he didn't do anything, but that in itself, not acting is a little is, surprising. Yeah. But also it's just, honestly, you know how like they say all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes all it takes for good to prevail is for evil men to do nothing. So, I mean, like, if he's like, if he just stops and doesn't do anything even when St. Saturn orders him to, like, I will consider that to be the biggest baller move of 2024. Yeah, It would be funny, because it would just be like him sitting there and doing nothing. And I would still consider that to be amazing, because that would be him finally putting his foot down and standing up to this authority figure. Actually which is something
0: like some kind of stance. Kizaru has
1: never done. Yeah, yeah, he's always been, like, I guess, what is his... Um, what was it? Like, unclear? Un- yeah. Unclear justice? Yeah, that's the other thing. All the admirals represent a different form of justice because the marines are just not cut and dry just like how pirates aren't cut and dry neither is the world government or the marines and each of the marine admirals stands for a different version of justice uh kizaru is his unclear justice which is we don't really know if he knows right from wrong or cares he just kind of keeps following orders of people above him and he's Mm -hmm. a good admiral in that way he's doing what he's told but it is concerning as a fan to be like you know will he ever show his own will or is he just gonna keep doing what like these bad people tell him to do yeah like kuzan uh Aokiji represented lazy justice and it was that he would do what he was told if he was being watched and told to and if he thought it was actually the right thing to do but if no one was watching and he felt like acting would not be just then he just didn't act like when he didn't try to take in the straw hats the first time. I mean, he yeah. did a, 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 a he did try when he realized Robin was part of their crew, but at first he was like I'm I'm not on the clock. I'm not working. I'm just <laughs> I'm just out sightseeing. He was literally he was just going to let them go. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's and that's one of the things that I love about him is yeah. that, like, he has his own sense, his own brand of, like, well, should I do what the evil people are telling me because they're absolutely in control? Or should I maybe turn a blind eye here? Whereas then you have uh, Akainu, Admiral Sakazuki, uh, who is absolute justice. And yeah. that guy will freaking, oh, my gosh. He's uh how do i even start about this mental patient oh my god the first time you ever see him he's blowing up a ship full of refugees because he's like hey like if just one of the one of those bad people one of those scholars like escaped on that ship then this whole mission was for nothing so we have to be absolute and make sure none of them survive and so he blows up the ship of refugees that was leaving that they were gonna let go peacefully and the other marines are like what are you doing
0: it's like i get the idea of like in that thing, like probably a lot of people died, and it's like if even one person, like the whole reason they were there, gets out, then everybody that died was like kind of like wasted. I but there's mean, like, like but to also... make it right,
1: you decide to kill even more people. I know, yeah, which it's is like, like okay, I'm that's a little bit man. much. <laughs> Or like when he's getting ready for the battle at Marineford and uh, he runs into a a soldier who's running from the battlefield and he's like panicking because he's like, I don't want to die in this battle. I want to get home to my family. Please just just let me leave, sir. And Akainu is like, it would be better for your family if they remembered you as a hero. And he fucking kills him. (laughs) (laughs) And bear in mind, uh, audience listening, this man's devil fruit is the Maga Maga no me. He is literally made of magma. The which is my, like which is my top way. three like worst fears of how to die would yeah. be like falling into magma. I I've thought about it. I've had nightmares about it. It would be the worst. And this is the guy who has that power. The dude who's like belief is absolute justice. I'll kill someone innocent as long as it's for the greater good.
0: He's it's a great. Power He's terrifying. To have for that,
1: I guess. You yeah, can... it is. It's a great power for him to have. But I hate him. But also, you're supposed to hate him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't even know how you. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't. Or this where has we're just been
1: This again. This has all been auxiliary information. Nobody has to listen to this episode. If you see the title of this and you're not interested, it won't hurt our feelings if you skip this one. Yeah. Um. It would just felt like this was all rattling around in my brain, and I needed to get it out somewhere. Because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, people I mean, don't understand what makes this series so good is that it's uh is that it, it, it's because it's it's so romantic and like and not in like the lovey dovey like romance but like in the old ancient like the original like romance like the that yearning for adventure and not knowing what's around the corner and like the idea that every day is like its own individual day and it it can be its own entity its own adventure in itself like that's something that in our day and age we desperately need yeah so and i i just want to say for getting into one piece i feel like i am
0: a very clear sign of how easy it is to fall into one piece because before starting up again and watching videos and learning about one piece like yeah jared would talk about a lot i liked one piece but i wasn't like actively watching it and i was like yeah this is just cool But in the last like half year, I've found myself where if somebody mentions something at work or something happens at home and I'm with Katie. I'll start ranting about One Piece and being like, well, this is why this thing is so cool. And like
1: exactly. these characters do this. And
0: I'm like, I sound like Jared. Every time. To- like, <laughs> it doesn't matter I'm what happens.
1: Anything can happen in my daily life and it'll make me think of something that happens in One Piece. And it's not, I don't want that to sound pathetic. It's just that's how fundamental the ideals of this series are. Is that like I always say I'm like, Luffy is super dumb. Like I mentioned earlier, he's got a zero IQ, Mm -hmm. but he's got an off-the-charts EQ. And when you see this dumb idiot who literally at one point in the series sings a song called the Baka Baka song, where he's just (laughs) singing, like the lyrics are like, I'm a dummy, you're a dummy. Like he's just walking through the woods, like like, picking up sticks and singing this to himself. Like the guy is an idiot. He's like an 8-year-old in a 19-year-old's body. But when he sees something go down that's wrong... He notices immediately and he doesn't just stand for it. And Mm -hmm. it's like I think about in my daily life. I'm like, man, like if this idiot knows that that's not okay, how are all of these people in this world like just putting up with this or doing this? Like they're all even dumber than he is if they don't realize what they're doing is wrong. Like – it's, it seems like it's just so clear. Like, right and wrong seems so clear when someone as stupid as Luffy is able to pick up on them. Yeah. I guess that's what it is. Everyone should watch it for that reason. Because maybe it'll make you less stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah. You might be able to learn something. You
1: might be more sympathetic and empathetic and less crappy of a person if you watch this series. Isn't it worth giving it a try just for that? I think so. Anyway. Okay. Uh, this is a good one. Yeah, that was good. That was good, I think. What, I feel good about that. If people do listen to this,
0: what 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 do you think they can expect in season two?
1: Oh, season two? Season two what is gonna, gonna be say. fun. We're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna go off the rails, bruh. Oh, yeah, it's exactly. gonna be good. We're gonna mix up the format a little bit. I've got a couple of things planned that are gonna be kind of fun and experimental. It'll okay. be interesting.
0: Ah, uh, nice. I was gonna say I would kind of like if it's allowed maybe do another episode on bloodborne
1: oh yeah of course uh, we I'm can gonna, revisit bloodborne i'm
0: gonna need some time to figure out a lot of lore sure sure right now and then but yeah
1: yeah we can always revisit one like that i it seems like it's rich for lore and oh, yeah. i still haven't played it so, yeah, so you're free to talk about it
0: yeah so that's what you can see new stuff weird weird stuff off the rails bloodborne yeah
1: you got any uh, plugs or anything Oh yeah, I guess we were going to talk about yeah, the One Piece creators. Cool. So uh, obviously on YouTube, go check out Grand Line Review, mm-hmm. uh, Melon T, uh, Tekking 101, Tekin, yeah, One Hundred One, Too Spooky, Ohara. Oh,
0: I Go check out the One Piece D&D podcast. Yes,
1: please check out One Piece D&D, uh, DM'd by Rustage, uh, Tekking and Too Spooky are in that. So is uh, Lost Paws and Briggs. Mm-hmm. It's a great show. It's if, even if you don't like One Piece, like it's just a good D D podcast. Like yeah. it takes place outside of the series. They do their own thing before the series starts. It's like a prequel, so it doesn't affect anything. It has a few references to the One Piece series, but like, yeah, you can listen to it without really like knowing much about it yeah it's great also they just started doing one piece D marines after they finished their regular campaign as pirates they decided to go over and do a second one as marines
0: what? i like it it's a cool idea so yeah
1: also rustage hosts uh dm's uh isekai D. so mm-hmm. if you want something that's completely just not one piece related at all you can check out isekai D, and that one's a lot of fun too
0: all right yeah is that it
1: how How think so. I think so. All I don't right. know. Uh, so until next time, I guess you guys uh, keep it real and uh, hang loose. And we'll see you again in season two. Yeah, we'll see you in season two. Goodbye. The One Piece is real. <laughs> That's all you need to make sure that it works, is to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, the right thing has to record, and then it actually works. And then it
0: works. Jump. Ow, my elbow. (laughs) (laughs) Serves you right.